morning. Uh, step number one, I'm gonna, my message at this service will be about 40% shorter than the nine. So if you want the rest of it, go and watch it online. The reason it will be shorter is because we've got in excess of 30 people being baptized in this service. And could be more. And could be more. We already baptized 11 people in the 9 o'clock service. It was incredible. One of which was 95 years old. I say that because some of you have still got excuses. It's not an excuse. It's just disobedience. Believe and be baptized. Jesus said it. We do it. Anyway, with that in mind, uh, today this is what I'm going to do. Throughout the Bible, the theme and the symbolism of baptism is clear. I'm going to help you see some of that today. But I also want you to know that it wasn't just big crowds like the day of Pentecost where thousands got baptized. There were moments where it was simply one-on-one, special moments. And the, the power of one is important. So far this year, and this is only our third baptism Sunday of the year, and if you include this morning's service, we have baptized 110 people so far this year. Now, this is, why, this is why I say the number, and you've heard me say this. We can't get away from it sometimes. Every single one of those numbers has a story. I want to see one story from the Scriptures today. Every single story has a name, and every name really matters to God because God so loved the world. He gave us one and only Son. And so with that in mind, we're going to celebrate the story. Just for some of you, as a reminder, tomorrow's the first Monday of the month. We're not gathering for We Pray Here. We're going to do that at the end of August to cover August, September. But we've committed as a church to be part collectively with other churches in the state to do a thing called We Pray All Day. And WePrayAllDay.com is the website in our digital bulletin. We committed as Grace Community Church to pray for the items that get sent throughout this month every first Monday for the 24 hours. You sign up for a one-hour slot that you'll commit to do that. If you've not done that for tomorrow, if you get bored in my message, you can do it during that time, okay? But go ahead and sign. If the time spot you have wanted is already gone, still sign up. We can have more than one person praying. But we've committed as grace. That's our watch. And with other churches, we want to see every single hour of every single day people praying in the state of Arizona. And so that's all there. Sign up. You get sent information about that. But without further ado, let me tell you a story. I'm going to sit down. Story time. It's from the book of Acts. It's a one-on-one baptism story. And I think sometimes you may be familiar with it, maybe not. Let me read it as it is. And let's unpack it. Because in this story is your story. You are in this. Some of you are going to be inspired today by the two people in this story. One of them or the other will have a big impact on you. And as you discover more, you'll be able to respond to it. So the reference, if you've got a Bible, you can follow along or on the Bible app, or you can just listen in and be ready. Acts chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 26 to 39. To those who don't know, the book of Acts was written by Luke, who was a physician He recorded all these acts of the apostles, these acts that were the early church. Jesus has come to earth. He's been crucified. He has risen again. He's ascended back into heaven. He's commissioned his believers and told them how to live life. 
And as they are going, lives are changed. Here we go. Are you ready? Acts 6, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He asked, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, which is Isaiah 53, go home, read the whole chapter, awesome. From that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What a great story. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've not heard it before. I don't know about you, but when you, every time you read the Bible, you should have questions. And I've read that and read that and read that, and every time I read it, I get more questions. And I'll be able to answer some of those questions that you might have right now because I think they're important questions. So here you have this guy, Philip, who's a disciple of Jesus, and this guy who for some reason isn't given a name. What do we know about this guy? Why is this story in here? It's not Philip goes and it's a big crowd and revival breaks out. No, just one guy who's not even an Israelite. He's an Ethiopian on his way home. Let him go. Why slow him down? What's going on here? And this is where this is beautiful. And the way that the Lord's inspired this encounter to be in the scriptures to me is breathtaking. So who was this man? Who was he? What can we find out about him? Who was he? So step number one, we find out there's Philip and this man. Step number one, we find out he's an Ethiopian, African, and we find out that he's a eunuch. 
a warak, a eunuch. The next couple of minutes are a bit R-rated, but we have to go there. In ancient times, a eunuch is a man who for a purpose has been emasculated, castrated, had his male parts removed. Okay? In ancient times, some of the reason that took place was because it was a punishment for a crime. So if there was a sexual immorality issue, a rape issue, blah, 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 here you go, boom, rid of them. We will end this now. As a result of being emasculated that way, all drive and purpose and the hormones all get affected in that man. He can no longer perform that act and he can no longer make babies. I'm going there because this is important, okay? You might want me to sanitize it. I think I just did a bit, all right? I didn't ask for a volunteer, okay? But with that, some of the guys are crossing their legs right now, but this is important. But in ancient times, there were some men, and I believe this was such a man, who when being called to a position, it was a requirement to be castrated. This man, we then find out, was in charge of all the finances, the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. He's a brilliant man, he's a learned man, he's a reliable man, he's a faithful man, but in those days, the queen was such a high position, they did not want to run any risk whatsoever that there could be any funny business between the queen and one of her subordinates. He has such a high influential position, probably the second most powerful person in the nation. And so in being called to that position, it was this requirement that he would become a eunuch so he could be fully dedicated to that position without the nation or the queen having any concern whatsoever of anything happening relationally that way. He took that Paul accepted that position and paid a price. That's who he is. He's the kind of guy that when called upon literally goes all in. This was significant. Significant. So that's what he had to play. Now as a result, he has probably the second most influential position in the whole nation. He gets to make decisions that affect that nation, that nation's identity, that nation's commerce throughout the ancient world. He really does carry a lot. Now, we also find out just from this short text as well that he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. It's not an Israelite. It's an Ethiopian. Now, had he gone on an ambassadorial journey, he may have done, and along the way, the end point was Jerusalem. Because we do know the text says he's on his way home from Jerusalem. It's a 3,000, roughly 3,000 mile round trip. His transportation is horsepower, but not our horsepower. Scholars say it is multiple weeks, if not months, for that journey. So along the way, they're going there. He's got a lot of time. 
He ends up in Jerusalem and he goes to worship. So there's something in his story we don't know about, but he wants to worship because the Lord has set eternity in the hearts of men. At the core heart of your very soul, you are a worshiper. You worship something, it's who are you worshiping? Something has your devoted attention. There is something you are living for and there is something that you have given allegiance to. Who is that? But he goes and for whatever reason, he goes to Jerusalem, whatever that story is, and he wants to worship. Here's the other thing. Did he know this or did he find this out? Did he know that as a eunuch, he's not even allowed in the temple to worship? Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says so. Anybody who's been emasculated, he's not welcome in the assembly. He is unclean. He's not even allowed in. Now, did he find that out when he got to Jerusalem? Or did he already know that and thought, well, the outer courts is still fine for me. I'll go and do whatever I can do. So for whatever it is, his identity has limited his ability to worship. Even though he is a somebody now, and he is a somebody, he's got status, he's got affluence, he's got power. And yet his identity has limited his ability to worship And then we also find out that he has a copy of the book of Isaiah. Ancient times, there were no books as we know books. There was no printing press invented. He's got a scroll that has been hand copied down meticulously and accurately in a scroll. And in that scroll is the book of Isaiah the prophet. He's got a, how did he get that? Scholars would say there's some options. Number one, collateral. He is wealthy. He's gone to the temple. He maybe has found out some stuff in Jerusalem and gone, I I want more. I want more. And he's gone and he's purchased that at a huge cost because they were a huge cost, but he could afford it. Or he's gone there on ambassadorial terms and he's been gifted one. He's been gifted it. Wow. And he's like, hmm. Some of Scholars believe he's maybe more purchased it than gifted because they're like so precious and giving it to a non-Israelite, non-Jewish person, high risk, but he's got it. And it's his position that's caused him to receive it, either through his wealth or through his position as a gift. He's got it. You have all been gifted in 2023 with access to the living, breathing Word of God. What are you doing with it? He gets it in his possession. And something in his soul wants to find out. Something in his soul is missing. Something in his very being is, oh. Maybe it was the longing to worship God that he couldn't fully worship. Maybe it's because he was just this learned man and an intellect. Maybe he'd been longing for God and he's engaging with God and he's going back home and he wants to take back to Ethiopia something of these ways of Yahweh and he wants to know more. But something's going on. Don't forget he's going to Jerusalem at a time where the church is just starting to explode. You've just had Pentecost. There's things changing. Maybe he was in view of one of some miracle or two. Maybe he is, I don't know. We don't know, but we know this is heart longing. 
It's pretty incredible. And so here he is. Let me read that conversation. It'll be on screen for you this time. Philip called by God goes. But by the way, Philip is given this nickname, Philip the Evangelist, because pretty much of this story. But I want you to ask the question. Philip is sent just to go on a road he knows about and go up to this guy. When's the last time you went about your everyday with eyes and ears wide awake to go, who do you want me to reach out to, God? Let's read this account again on the screen, Acts 8, 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. It's a busy road. It's not a chariot like Ben-Hur where they're racing away, okay? It's a carriage. He's all there. It's a busy road, and at certain times, he'll be stopping and starting because Philip runs up to him. Philip's not Usain Bolt. He's not got crazy speed. He can beat horses. It's a slow thing going along, but he runs up. Go, maybe it's stopped, he goes alongside and he listens in. There is something in the text there that's critical that arrested me this week. I kept hearing this theme even at a conference I was at the last couple of days. Philip made himself available to hear the cries of somebody else. That's all he did. In our everyday walking and doing what we do, are we attuned to hear the cries of somebody else's situation, circumstances, questions, or are we just going about our day? And there he goes, and he just draws alongside, and he runs up, and he hears the guy reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He asks him a question. Here's something that I've been reminded of, and my wife can tell you this, I'm still working hard on this. Often when people are speaking with me, my brain is fixing it instantly. Solution, 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 solution. So much so that I interrupt and give the answer to the problem and go, what's the problem, move on. When in reality, the presenting problem is never really the problem. Is it? The presenting issue is a symptom of something else. But some of us don't give the time to work on that. But the, one of the things you do with that is when you are listening, you ask questions. You don't give solutions. Because then they own the solution. And he asks them a question. Like, do you understand it? He, he's like, it's almost like he can sense the need of this guy. He asks him a question. Uh, no, I don't, basically. No, I don't. Help me out. Come on in. They get on in. They have a conversation. Luke just gives a short version of it. They get in. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. This one, he said this. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. We've got this hindsight bias. We know this is Jesus. But this was written seven centuries earlier than this moment. So then he goes, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Is it himself or is it somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, which, as you know, before it describes a ton of things about Jesus. And he told him the good news 
about Jesus. The good news, which would include it, this is why he was a lamb that was slaughtered. This is why by his stripes we are healed. This is why he's describing the good news about Jesus. Now, super quick, Acts 2, few chapters back, you've had Jesus has come, he's lived, he's died, he's risen, he's ascended, he's given the job description to his believers, to his disciples. Hey guys, this is what you're about to do. Here is your mission. This is what I'm calling you to. Then you have what's now known as the day of Pentecost where Peter gets up in front of a whole crowd and describes a bunch of things and hear the good news as he explains it in Acts 2 verse 36. Peter says this, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, who you guys have just seen, who've been crucified, God made him king. He is Lord. He is Messiah, his Savior, his Redeemer, his Forgiver, his Restorer. He is the one here to make all things new. This is who he is. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, wait for it, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter is probably unpacking some of that. He's sharing this whole story with this Ethiopian eunuch. It's like, here we go, this is amazing. And it results in verse 36 of the eunuch saying, I get it, I understand it, I'm all in. They're talking about the whole thing and he goes, dude, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I get baptized? Jesus said, believe and be baptized. The gospel being spread, believe and be baptized. It was Jesus himself who said in Matthew 28, here's your job, people. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the family name, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Already even last week, you had that whole text, I kneel before the Father from whom all the family name, all we all belong to his family, derives its name. There's a belonging, there's an identity. I believe this Ethiopian goes from being a person who couldn't fully worship God to realizing Jesus has made a way. Anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Just let the way maker through. He's gonna move. He moved in this guy's life. He went from not being good enough to worship the Lord to living with a new identity, a new creature with a new feature. No longer is he a servant of a queen, he's a son of the king. Everything has changed about his identity. His joy, everything about it has changed. Some historians believe how did the Christian church explode in the nation of Ethiopia? It's possible that this guy had a significant role to play. Don't forget, he was right up there with positions of influence. We don't know for sure, but there's a real strong connection that people believe. 
Wow, what an incredible. One guy, Philip, just as the Spirit led him, go talk to that guy. He had no idea that when the Spirit said go to that road, what would result? That day, did Philip think, oh, I'm going to find somebody to baptize today? He just goes and he has a conversation and look what unfolds. The people getting baptized today, somebody else was involved, weren't they? Somebody else was involved in your story. Somebody else had a role to play. And some of you, you were that person that had a role to play and you're going, that's pretty cool. Yes. Do it again. Do it again. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. So super quick, I am going to help you here because mm, allow me to have some creative license here. I think some of the story of baptism, Philip may have journeyed through with this Ethiopian, the whole story. The symbolism of baptism started in Genesis 1 verse 1. It's been there from the very beginning. The symbolism of new life coming from water has been there. Your human existence, I didn't realize it was going to be a biology lesson today. What has to happen before a baby is born? The mother's waters break. Out of water comes new life. But let's go. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. And the spirit of God was hovering. God said, let there be light. And from that moment, up out of water formed new life. And things flowed. When God said, let there be light. Underneath the waters is darkness, but up out of life. The imagery of baptism was there from the very beginning. I could go to multiple other ones, but not long after that, humanity develops and develops and develops and blows it and makes a big mess up. And God wants to do a new global baptism through Noah. And so the imagery of Noah is God sends a flood and immerses sin underwater again. And 40 days and 40 nights and coming up out of the water, there is a new covenant that God says, I'll never do that again, but up out of water is new life. And then God's people, God's children of Israel, end up enslaved in Egypt. Egypt is both a reality and a historical fact, but also this imagery of absence from God in slavery, in a life of sin away from the freedom that God provides. And that a relationship with God to be able to worship him had been taken away. That's why Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go that they may worship me in the desert. So, but here they are. And God comes and the only way for them to finally be rescued is there is a sacrificial lamb at the Passover that has to pay away. And they start to come out and the sacrifice of the lamb is made away. But they end up with this huge expanse of water in the way, the Red Sea. But God, and he even says the phrase, but God brought them up out of Egypt into the promised land. They go through the waters of the Red Sea. 
into new life. And then you have multiple prophets from that point. Joshua, the River Jordan, has to stop to part through the Red Sea. Elisha, there's moments of stories upon stories of large expanse of water symbolically being life before, life after. Then you get this guy, Jonah. And Jonah's story is a life of, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, God. But then it's like, no, I'm not doing that, God. And then realizes in a repent and be baptized, in a repentant moment, I've blown it, God, gets thrown overboard under the water. And on the third day is spat out onto dry land where the Lord originally intended him to be in Nineveh. The imagery is all there. Then you have Jesus coming to earth and before Jesus is John the Baptist and John the Baptist is his baptism of repentance preparing a way for the Lord and Jesus comes to him one day and in humility, absolute humility, make, humility making himself a man, dude, baptize me. And John's like, nope, baptize me. He baptizes him not for forgiveness of sin but as a new beginning, a commissioning into Jesus on earth ministry. At that point, there is a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. And Jesus' public ministry starts by going into the desert for 40 days, but it starts. And then you have the early church, the day of Pentecost, thousands being baptized. You have moments like a one-on-one -on -one story. And throughout that time, throughout church history, baptism is there. You want to know why I'm so passionate about baptism? Because it's our story our story. It's a realigning with God's original intention all along. If you're getting baptized today because you registered, you're like, I know I'm already in, I'm already to go. Let me just say this to you super quick. When you get in the pool in a moment, I'm not going to get you all up on stage. Number one, there's too many. And number two, time is of the essence. But let me describe this. We'll see you. By the way, when they get in the pool, everybody, their name will come on screen rather than me shouting it and you can't hear me. The name will come on screen and you can see the name and you can pray for that name and you can declare that name and celebrate that name. And for some of you, the Lord will place on you to pray for that name for the days and weeks and months to come. And so the symbolism is this. When you get up here, you are basically declaring this. Do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ loves you, died for you, for all your sin? And have you repented of that? And it's like, yeah, it's a yes. Do you declare Jesus Christ to be your Lord, your King, your Savior? That's the yes. Do you seek through the empowering and empowering of the Holy Spirit to live with him but for him all the days of your life, in every sphere of your life? That's why you're getting baptized. That's a yes. You see, on that confession of faith, the guys in the pool will go, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit family name. This is not a spectator thing you're here to see. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a family gathering. And we get to go, oh, family party, family celebration in the family name. There's a dignity, there's a nobility, there's a joy that we get to partake in. So if you are, you know you're getting baptized today. And even as I've been speaking, some of you are like, I need to get baptized. Well, we did one better than Philip. I don't think Philip had a spare change of clothes that day. He just went about it and he got in the water with the Ethiopian and off we go. I'm just saying right here, we've got it ready. We got shorts, we got t-shirt, we got everything practical. But here is water. 
why shouldn't I be baptized? Today's your day. So all those who are registered to be baptized, you know it, and all those who think, yeah, I'd be baptized, go to this side of the room right now with a team all, a little light on the table. Go over there and line up. We get you ready so we can get your names ready, everything else. Off you go. Off you go. There's plenty of you. Get up. Off you go. You go over there and start getting ready. In this time as well, it allows so many of you to go, yeah, I need to join that line. I need to join that line. This bit. This symbolizes Jesus' life on earth, his teachings, his miracles, his identity. When they get in the water, Jesus humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. When they go under the water, they are burial, burial. The tomb is rolled in front of the stone, closed. When they come up out of the water, that's resurrection. That's new power, new life. They step out of the pool, are greeted with a towel, and with a towel wrapped around them, their identity is no longer rags, but a robe of righteousness, a new creature with a new feature, a new creation, all for him, and we declare it. And when you whoop and holler and scream and celebrate their name, it's not just for them to hear, it's for the spiritual dimensions to hear and make a declaration. Our God is alive and he reigns and he's still saving and he's still restoring and he's still forgiving and we declare it into the heavenly realms and the forces of darkness do not want to hear that. We push back darkness when we declare the light that Jesus brings. That's why we celebrate. Praise and celebration is important. Now, the first person we get to baptize today is Ms. Miller. She won't mind me saying this. She's 84 years old. She, she is, she's had multiple like medical conditions and strokes and things, and she's like, but I had to get baptized. I had to get baptized. But I know I can't get in this pool. I can't do steps. But I had to get baptized. And put the problem on us. But I had to get baptized. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> She's 84. I'm telling you, what's your excuse? So our creative genius came up with this, and this matters so much. And so uh, Mo, we just got this ready for her. He's got some pictures, and he's going to pour the water over in this way. But here's the thing. Jesus said it. She is obedient. Beautiful. And so, and then from that point on, it'll come in at any point. So stay seated for this one so the camera can see it and you can all see her. And then after this one, you'll all stand for all our praise and our worship and enjoy it. It'll all be on the cameras this way. Um, so, Ms. Miller, you are an inspiration. And the Lord Jesus, you know, loves you and has saved you and redeemed you and called you by name. So it is our privilege, our joy, that in the family name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're going to baptize you. Go ahead, Mo. Go ahead and do this. Guys, go wild when it pulls overhead. Go wild. Go wild. 